I'm going to go ahead and read our verses for today. After this I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne, with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like jasper and carnelian, and around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones are twenty-four elders, dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of God. Thank you, God. Um, so, a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to be asking a few more questions than normal, so audience participation is encouraged and kind of necessary. So, <laughs> First question. Uh, this is really weird. Can anyone summarize for us what's going on in this passage in ways that, don't talk, that isn't kind of like revelation-y talk? No? Cool. The of God. Huh? He comes into the throne room of God. Right. He's a bunch of animals worshiping God. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. John, Christ takes John up into heaven. He says, hey, check it out. A worship service. Uh, except in this worship service, there are a whole lot of things going on. Um, in these 11 verses, we see all three aspects of the Godhead Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We see. We've got thrones and jewels, there's crowns, there's singing, there's these really weird like creatures that I think are angels, but I don't know if they're angels, and he doesn't really call them angels, so I'm not going to say they're angels. Um, and so now that we're going to go through this, I'm a big fan of like, I'm a math brain guy, I'm a big fan of like spatial stuff, and so we're going to start in the center and work our way out. Uh, so the first thing we're going to actually start with is looking at the throne of God itself. So now in these first verses, when John describes the throne and its relative features, he uses a lot of comparison words, right? So he uses words like, uh, it looks like jasper, and there's a throne that looks, or there's a rainbow that looks like emerald. There's a sea of glass like crystal. Um, and if you remember a few weeks ago when we went through Revelations 1, this is very similar to the way he talked about Jesus when he appeared to him, right? So he had feet like burnished bronze, he had eyes like fire, and hair that looked like it was white as wool. Um, John doesn't just like comparing things. Uh, the reason for this is that the only, the only Christ that John knew beforehand was the enfleshed Christ. The human, meaty, crucified, battered Christ. Um, and so when he, 
when he appears to him here, um, he is perfected in all his glory. He has taken his hand at the right, his place at the right hand of the Father, and is fulfilled in his perfection that was promised to him. And so when John sees this, John, a fallen creature like each of us, he can't comprehend it. And so the reasons we're getting these descriptions are because John physically can't tell us what he's seeing in these visions. We physically couldn't understand. Um, John is being shown the throne room of heaven, the most perfect place imaginable, but he is still just a man. And so the best we can get are comparisons to earthly creations that we can understand, jewels and animals, earthly constructs. We would be as, we would be as likely to understand this as a pot would to its sculptor, if you asked it what that was. Um, moving out a ring, we get to verses, the second half of six through eight, where we start talking about these four living creatures. Um, like I said, I think they're angels, but the Bible says living creatures, and I guess it's right, so. Uh, even though they don't get mentioned until after the elders uh, on their 24 thrones, the way they're described makes it seem as if the angels are in between the throne of God and the thrones of these elders, right? Um, does anyone want to take a guess as to why that is their physical location? Uh, so why is it that the beasts are, not beasts, sorry. Why is it that the creatures are between God and the elders? Like physically between them? Because it says uh, around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures. So these creatures are essentially surrounding the throne of God. I think my mind immediately goes to, oh, they're God's bodyguards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I don't, I don't think it's Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, I think worship's a, worship is pretty much the big part of it. Um, some, when we get to, into the latter half of the passage, it's a lot of singing. Um, and the elders are singing in response to the creatures singing and the creatures' actions, right? So when I saw this, a lot of what I thought was, this might be a deep cut. Ryan, Ryan, you'll get this. Um, <laughs> so as a music teacher... <laughs> When Ryan has to give his kids to give a performance, even if the kids are up here facing the crowd, Ryan is gonna be facing the kids and he's gonna be in between them because he needs to direct the kids, right? Right, in the way a choir director would direct the choir. And so the creatures are, yeah, I know Ryan's glad that I mentioned him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the creatures are essentially here to lead these elders in worship, right? They're interceding, putting themselves between the elders and God because the elders, who have probably been worshiping God their whole lives, don't actually know how to do it, or they can't in this situation. Um, they need help. Uh, like I said earlier, these elders, these are actually, the elders are the only people that John describes correctly because they are also fallen creatures. And so these 24 people, these 24 fallen creations, no matter how good they are at worshiping or singing Waymaker, now that they're in heaven, <laughs> worship is a whole new ballpark. Um, <laughs> Worship is a whole new ballpark. It's a completely different thing than what we would think of as worship, you know? And so they essentially have been sent back to the very beginning. You know, they spent their whole lives learning and reading, and now they're back at square one. They don't know what they're doing, and they have to do it all over again. They have to be taught. 
in the same way that we've had to learn our forms of imperfect worship here. When I got to the Wesley, I didn't know what the doxology was. I didn't know like what it was, how to sing it, or what it meant. And so I had to learn that form of worship here. Um, they once again have to learn how to worship now that they are in the perfect world of heaven. No fallen creature knows how to be right with God. Someone has to show us how to do it. In verse... At the end of verse 8, it says, um, Day and night without ceasing they sing. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about how every time they sing, the elders have to like get down and throw their crowns. And we were talking about this morning, and I think it's really funny to just think that like they start singing, and then they throw the crowns, and then they stop, and then they start again. And it's just like this continual loop. No? Okay. Um, but what this shows us is that if we're taking our example of how to worship from Revelation and from these angels, which really all of this is just about worship in the first place, if they're going to be our example, then we have to learn to worship continually and regularly and continuously. If the angels decide that it's right to do it without ceasing, then who are we to decide that the 30 minutes we spend on Tuesdays or Sundays is good enough? <laughs> that's not a dig at you, but it's the truth. Yeah. Who are we to decide that listening to Caleb Christian Radio fills that place in our life of worship? Yeah, deep cut. <laughs> uh, all right, another question, since y'all want to be so responsive. Why is regular worship important? Why is regularly worshiping important? Melissa. Exactly. Uh, Jamie, were you about to say something? No. Hmm? Emery? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if y'all just want to get up here and give the talk, y'all can't. Like. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But no, I mean, both of those things are exactly right. Worship isn't for God. It is, but it's not. It's necessary to worship because that is how we realign ourselves. Like Emery said, our right place is to give worship and to give thanks. And so that is the point, is to realign ourselves to our proper meaning. It's a time for us to find who we are and where we belong. In the world we live in now and for the past, I don't know, 3,000 years, um, a lot of things pull our attention, a lot of things throw us out of alignment. They, we focus on things that aren't God, we focus on things that aren't important. And so these times of worship are for us to bring us back to center. It's a time for us to come together as the body of Christ and to give glory to our Creator. It's a time for us to acknowledge our right place of reverence and submission to God. We worship as a community, not just because we sound better when there are more of us, not just that so you guys can cover up the fact that I'm tone deaf, but because we are one body, and as one body with one voice, we lift our praises up to Christ for the glorification of him and the sanctification of us. Because when we admit the things that these creatures and these elders are singing, that you deserve all the power and the glory and the honor, that you deserve all the power and all the glory and all the honor. These aren't just song lyrics. These aren't just things we're following because someone's leading us. This is the truth, and it's giving us a chance to hear it. We're stating the truth so that we can hear it from ourselves and from each other, so that the person to your left and right, the other believers, the other parts of the body of Christ can tell you the truth. And when I say God deserves all the glory, it inherently means that I deserve none. We were created to be in communion with God. Since the time of the Garden of Eden, we were meant to be with God. 
And as fallen creations, the only way to do that is to worship the perfect creator, the one who was and is and is to come. Now, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it later, but uh, I want to get on prayer for a minute. So in the same way when we pray, we are coming into communion with God. Now, we'll get more into it next week, uh, but in Revelation chapter 5, it talks about these same four creatures taking our prayers before the throne in bowls of incense. Um, But I just kind of want to touch on it now before we get into it next week. Prayer is a time for us. A lot of times we think it's we're going to God to tell him the things we want or the things we need or the things that we need him to do for us. Um, But he already knows. God already knows everything we want and need and that we ever have and that we ever will. Uh, So there's no reason for us to think anything else. It is for us to spend time with him and listen to him. Just as these four creatures intercede on behalf of the elders in worship when we pray, when we pray on behalf of someone else, we are bringing them before the throne of God in the same way that Christ brings John before God. When we pray for someone else, when we intercede on behalf of someone else in the same way that these creatures are interceding in this worship service, we are bringing them into the throne room of God with us. We are asking them to be a part of the body. We are asking God to bless them, to be with them, and to love them even if they don't know they need it yet. And especially if they don't know they need it yet. So now we're going to move out another circle to the final circle. Um, The elders. The elders here, they're most likely priests. Um, I think what we ended up saying was that they're probably the 24 priests that David assigned or the 24 like heads of the family. Um, So they're pretty important people. Um, Even if it's not those specific people, the fact that they're here means they're important. Um, They probably know the scriptures and they know how to worship and they know the Psalms more than anyone else did then or now, definitely more than I probably do. Um, But even they have to fall down and bow at the feet of God. They were good people, right? Like there's nothing wrong with them. They're wearing those white robes that we talked about last week when Christ sent his letter to the church of Sardis. But they still have to bow down. They've had some of the most authority and power in Israel as the leaders of the Levi tribe, and they have to give it up. They have to. Because in verse 11, when they say God is worthy to receive the glory and power, they don't get to keep it. They can't have their cake and eat it too. They can't have their crowns and also worship God. These elders don't give a choice, get a choice to give up their crowns. To be there in the throne room of God, they must cast their crowns down at his feet and give him the power. This is how to be in right relationship with God. The only way the creation can be with the creator is to give him his due respect. And when it's God, that means all of it. Giving up our crowns means giving up our symbols and holds on what gives us glory, what gives us honor, what gives us power. Um, I'd like to give y'all a second if y'all want to respond and ask y'all what do some of those symbols look like? So what are some crowns that we have? Phil, sorry. I think like in the same way you're talking about worship needing to be something that's continual. Mm-hmm. The idea that like I get to set my schedule mm-hmm. and then like I get to relegate God to these places in my life where like this gets to be the, the time that God deserves. Or um, you know, if I, if I miss it, then you know, I'll just do it tomorrow and it's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I think just like the concept of give being the master of my own time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
familiar? Mm-hmm. Personal safety, personal financial security. I think. Anyone else? Cool. Um, well, very few of us actually have crowns, unless you're the Queen of England. Uh, but there is something for all of us. We all have our crowns. We all have our little things that we hold on to that give us some semblance of control or power. Maybe it's a uniform at your job, or a title, or a badge, or a space you control. Maybe it's an office. I mean, I was thinking of the intern offices. That area kind of like sets us apart sometimes, especially now that we aren't really allowing anyone but staff in there. Um, maybe it's an oval office. It isn't always something bad, though. Those crowns were good things. They were symbols of holiness and intercession. These were the priests the people that went between the people of Israel and God into the synagogues. But they still took from his worship in the end, and so they had to go. Nobody gets a crown in heaven except for Christ. In the same way that we are held accountable as one body for our sins, which we learned and talked about in the last couple weeks, we worship and become right before God as one body. God works through the body of believers in amazing ways. The spirit ebbs and flows through our ministries and lives together. That's something I've been coming to realize a lot in the last couple years is just how the Holy Spirit works between all of our ministries. I'll talk to people from completely different denominations. Uh, the, the first example I'm thinking of is a friend of mine who goes to a Baptist church in Monroe. They just did Revelations as well. Or how for the first two years that I was coming here when we did Acts and Romans, both of those years when I was going to a Presbyterian church, we did the exact same books same times. So God is putting all of us together in one body where we need to be, whether that's in one ministry, in one denomination, in one country, throughout the world. Um, but no one member is holier than any other, and no one is worthy of its own glory. Uh, my hand isn't solely to credit when I throw a frisbee well, or when I pick up a friend in need, but in the same way my foot isn't solely to blame when I stub my toe or when I kick that same friend while they're down when I should bring them with me into the throne room before God. God loves us, and so he gives us these opportunities to learn how to praise. He's giving us the book of Revelations. He's giving us, he's giving the elders, the creatures. He's showing us what he wants us to do. He gives us each other and the whole body of Christ to worship so that we don't have to be alone and that we get to not be alone so that we get to hear from other believers, you are forgiven, so that we get to hear from other believers, peace be with you, not just from ourselves. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. The whole chapter, the whole book, the whole Bible. Um, it's about God wanting us to know him and to know each other. So worship rightfully, praise wholeheartedly, pray often. Come before the throne, leave all your hangups behind. Cast your crowns at his feet, and worship the one who was, and who is, and who is to come. Amen.